Well, hello, and welcome back to Fearless Questions, where we follow our questions to freedom. I'm your host, Jeff Blackburn, and today we are lucky to have with us Courtney Christensen. Um, Courtney is a writer and communicator who works on the staff of the Preemptive Love Coalition, whereas uh, she puts it, I get to write and wage peace. Does that sound about right, Courtney? Yeah, that's what I do. <laughs> Waging peace. Um, just so people know, um, you know, a while back we had Erin Wilson, who's uh, part of the, uh, she was in Iraq with Preemptive Love, and this was unrelated to that. I actually saw a blog post you put up just recently, a few weeks ago. Um, you were out in uh, Portland, um, and the title of the article was Standing Between Neo-Nazis and Anti-Fascists in Portland. And I wonder if you could tell us what is that all about? Yeah, that was um, that was quite the experience. I've actually had uh, two similar back-to-back experiences the last couple of weekends. Um, the Pacific Northwest is having um, a hard time. They experienced some conflict recently um, and some tragedy recently when there was two young women on a train in Portland on the light rail and um, a man on the train started verbally assaulting them. Uh, One of the women was Muslim and wearing a hijab and he just started berating her. And a couple of local Portlanders stood up between them to to protect these girls and um, ended up getting stabbed. And um, then a third man came over and he was also stabbed and, and two of them died in their effort to protect these women. And um, it was just heartbreaking for Portland, who's really, it's a very liberal city and very inclusive. It prides itself on being inclusive. And so when this happened, the city was rightfully very angry and very sad. Hmm. And unfortunately, at that same time, there is an alt-right group called Patriot Prayer who had um, applied to for a permit to do a what they call the free speech rally in the middle of downtown Portland, and it was scheduled for the following weekend. Okay. And um, when the people put this together and and figured out that this alt right group was coming to demonstrate in the middle of their city, and they connected that group with the man who was on the train, um, they <laughs> became outraged and planned this massive counter protest to this alt-right free speech rally. Mm. And um, it became really sort of a a boiling point for the city. And there was a lot of anticipation that there was going to be violence at this rally and um, a lot of posturing on both sides. Mm. And um, a lot of really extreme people were drawn to the rally. Hey, before before you keep going with that speech, when the, when the issue, um, when that, um, subway train line i forget what you called it the light rail Uh Um, when that situation happened were these prayer the patriot prayer group were these folks um associated with that attitude or were they just kind of closely associated with it you know what i'm saying they were yes no they had nothing to do with the man who stabbed those those other men um he the the guy who who murdered those two men is um has identified himself to be a neo-Nazi and there's crazy videos of him 
um, online. And he was very extreme. And Patriot Prayer has nothing to do with him. He was not a part of them. They were not a part of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but the people of Portland associated them with one another. Okay. When I'm, and Patriot and I'm, Prayer has made it really clear that they have no part of that. Okay. And I'm, I'm only asking because I'm out, I'm actually um, in Indianapolis, more towards the middle of America. And you know, we see things on the news with Portland. And like you said, it seems like a very inclusive type city, but there also seems to be some extremes out there too. And I didn't know what size of, you know, if that was a big group of people or just sort of a, um, you know, antagonistic view that caused these kind of situations. But, um, so yeah, it's it's a little bit of both to be quite honest with you. There are extreme people on both sides and Washington and Oregon are kind of interesting in that the East half of the States are, are very conservative and the West half of the States are very liberal. Um, so there's sort of this clash in the States themselves. Um, and so when this happened, it drew the extremists out from both sides. And when I went to the rally, that's what I experienced. I, I think that there was probably the majority of the people who would be somewhere in the middle and they were moderate and they were upset about what happened and wanted to stand in solidarity with um, people who are diverse. And then there was people who are moderate conservatives. They're actually standing up for free speech and things like that. But it drew a huge amount of extremists on both sides. And there there was a huge group of anti-fascists that showed up. Hmm. And I don't know if you're familiar with the anti-fascist movement. Honestly, I see the name all the time and I have, um, I have ideas, but it'd be great if you could describe it, what your experience of them has been. Sure. So they seem to be, um, and I haven't talked to very many anti-fascists. I've tried and they have been very busy every time I've tried to talk to them. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, I haven't gotten very many straight answers from them. So I'll tell you what my perception is from internet research and things like that. And from what I've seen, Mm -hmm. um, but I can't tell you their words, but, um, so they seem to be the left's answer to the alt-right. They are, um, they tend to show up at rallies and protests uh, in all black and they cover their faces with masks and their eyes usually with goggles or big sunglasses. Um, so you can't see any of their face and, and beanies usually too. So they're just covered. Um, and they come with noisemakers and um, in Seattle, they showed up with an actual train horn. I don't know where one gets such a thing, wow. but they had it on like a cart and they were just trying to silence the other uh-huh. side. Okay. Now, um, is this the same folks that would be like at that Cal Berkeley type stuff for the same? Yes. Same okay. group, the okay. anti-fascists. Okay. Um, and they are okay with violence. They're, they're very okay with violence and seem to think that, um, the end justifies the means. Okay. And so any method necessary to silence what they see as hate speech. Um, and so, they were on one side and then this rally in Portland and then again in Seattle drew a, a big amount of extreme alt-right people. These were not moderates. They, there was KKK flags at both rallies. Wow. There were um, people wearing swastikas, quite a few people wearing swastikas. Um, it was extreme. It was, it was hard to see. Uh, it's not the picture I have in my head of America. Yeah. And um, so when I showed up, it was really... It was kind of heartbreaking hmm. to walk in and see these people lining opposite sides of the street, and they were separated by hundreds of riot police. I've never seen so many law enforcement officers in one place. So they were expecting um, trouble. 
they were expecting violence and that's what everyone had said. So they had a team of medics, federal riot police medics in full riot gear. Um, it was, it was, it was a little nutty when Mm. I walked up and then, um, well, and wait, before you get there, just if you wouldn't mind, you know, how'd you end up there? Like what took you there in the first place? Because I don't think that you actually identify on either one of those extremes. Um, so what, I don't, so what took you there? Yeah. So when I heard about everything that was happening, it was all over my news about how they were expecting violence. It made me, um, it made me so sad and particularly working for an organization like preemptive love that tries to make peace in the hardest places. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's a big part of what we do is we go where no one else will go and love the ones no one else will love. And we make peace where others make war. Mm -hmm. And, um, I thought to myself, no one's going to be there to say that there's another way. And there is another way. Like, Peace does not have to be a zero-sum game where um, I have to win in order for there to be peace, which is, I believe, what both these sides seem to be arguing, that um, the only way forward is for my side to win and your side to lose. Hmm. Um, so did you have any, did you have any kind of big plan going up there? So my big plan was <laughs> to go <laughs> and to stand in the middle and try to let people on both sides know that there was another option. Um, And actually, when I had this idea, which I admit is a little crazy, um, (laughs) I told my husband, because we live three hours from Portland. We live down in Central Oregon. And um, I said, honey, there's this protest in Portland. And he was like, yeah, I've heard about it. I was like, so I really want to go. And he kind of looked at me like, what, why, (laughs) what? And I was like, but I want to go and stand in the middle between the two sides. (laughs) And there was this long pause where he was trying to figure out whether or not I was serious. Hmm. And then he was like, Court, you you realize how crazy that sounds, right? Like, I just need you to, I need to know that you know that that's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, yes, I, 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 I hear the craziness of it, but if I'm not there, what if no one is there making peace? Like, what if it's just anger versus anger and it just becomes the civil war that I, deep down inside, I'm so afraid we're headed towards? Mm. Like, what if there's no one there to wage peace because I didn't show up? Mm. And what if there's less peace because I didn't show up? And what if I just make one person less angry and they don't throw that punch? Mm. And if if not me, then who? Right? It's mm. just I can go, and I don't. I have less to lose. I'm I'm white. I'm uh, Christian. I am I am no marginalized group, and I have less to lose by standing in the middle okay. of these these people. And so that was my idea is I, I made a sign <laughs> that said us versus them is a false choice yeah. as big as I felt like I could hold. Yeah. And my plan was to go and situate myself between the two groups somehow. Hmm. And, um, so you went, up on your, walked, you went up on your own, right? My husband and I went together. Okay. Okay. I, I made him drive me cause I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to walk into the chaos by myself. Um, 
So we went up together and the first thing I thought when I showed up was that this was a huge mistake. Oh, <laughs> like wow. it was honestly just like, Oh, this isn't, I shouldn't have done this. This, this, this isn't going to work. Like this is so much angrier than I anticipated. Mm. Um, and then about 10 minutes after we got there, there was a, a scuffle with the counter protesters and the police and they were spraying pepper spray and tear gas and mm. flashbang grenades trying to disperse the crowd. And, uh, it was just, which was awful to see, to be standing in the city that I, I really love Portland and it's such a great city. And to see these grenades going off and people screaming and running, it was awful. Is that, um, is that a surreal experience or are you in it where you feel it so much you don't have that experience or do you feel like you're watching the news or like what's going on here? No. Yeah. It was super surreal. It okay. was, I'm not in that situation very often. I don't, I don't feel like it happens very often in the States. Thank God. Right. Uh, and it was crazy and much different than I expected. I burst into tears mm. sitting there watching it because I just didn't know how to feel about it and what was going on. And mm. um, I just wanted it to stop. Yeah. I just wanted to be like, everyone be cool. Yeah. Uh, so you decide was, you you decide to go out to the middle and hold up your 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 sign. Um, I did. And then how was that? How was that received? Was it? Uh, yeah. Um, people were confused, quite honestly. Um, I walked out into the middle, uh, and I have a preemptive love shirt that says love anyway. And I held my sign up as high as I could hold it. And there was like this slight sort of pause and everyone turned and looked at me mm-hmm. and it, they just had no idea what to do with me or like what my deal was, mm-hmm. um, or what it meant. And I don't think because the message us versus them is a false choice doesn't feel right when you're standing there yelling across the street at people you vehemently disagree with. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like you must make a choice. And, and so I think they were confused by the entire thing. Okay. Uh, but so I just stayed. <laughs> no one asked <laughs> me to move, which was interesting. Um, I didn't have a permit to be there, but I was by myself and I was on public property. Okay. And since it wasn't a gathering, I was fully... And I wasn't with either group. And so I was within the law. Um, anyone that had been affiliated with either group, if they stepped out into the street, the cops pushed them back. Okay. And a couple people from the counter protest tried to step out and join me, but they were wearing anti-fascist stickers. And so the cops made them go back up on the sidewalk, but they let me stay. Hmm. Um, and I... I stayed there for what felt like forever and um, before someone came out and joined me um, and said, she had a sign that was similar. It said, love makes the world go round. And she came up to me and she said, I felt like our signs went well together. (laughs) And I looked at her and I I said, yeah, they they do. Thank you. It was getting lonely out here. I was going to say, it'd be nice to have a friend. Yeah. Yeah. But, and one other guy joined us and, uh, it was just the three of us out there for a really long time. Mm. A couple of people told me, came out and said, you know, the cops are going to make you leave. And I said, okay, well I'll leave. They made me leave. And they never did. And the interesting thing was that I had a really similar experience in Seattle this last weekend. Um, when I found myself, uh, on a side street, the protest itself was mostly peaceful, but, um, on the side street, I found myself in between this group of alt-right guys um, 
they're a group called the Proud Boys. Okay. And they call themselves Western Chauvinists. <laughs> and um, they, I, I talked to a handful of them, and they were all very kind um, and really felt like they were the good guys there and had some really interesting answers that I wasn't expecting about why they were there. But I found myself between them and a really angry group of anti-fascists coming at each other down a sidewalk. And I, I happened to be standing there with two friends. And um, we stopped and kind of looked around and then just held up our signs and made a little wall trying to like hmm. prevent this brawl from taking place. Hmm. And um, what's and going guys, on? What's going on in your mind at that point? Um, what the hell am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on your yeah, show, but yeah. that that was what was going through my mind was just like this. Again, I think there's this gut reaction when you're trying to do something that's pushing against a really huge wave hmm. of saying, this is a terrible idea. I can't stop this wave. I'm one person. Hmm. Um, but that's where it gets sticky because, yeah, you're one person, right? But everyone's one person. Right. So if we don't do our part, nothing will happen. <laughs> do, do you feel like you're, when you, when you see that wave coming at you, do you, do you have any sense of resolve that I'm going to be okay? Or do you feel like, uh, you're about to be kind of overwhelmed with the moment and that I'm just going to stand here despite that feeling, you know, or, or can you feel a strength of something in you when you're in that situation? I know I, I didn't feel like I was going to get hurt. Okay. I never felt like I was, I, I may have been in danger. I didn't feel like I was in danger. Um, I felt like if I stood there strong enough that um, they weren't going to hurt me and that I could maybe stop whatever was happening by like being solid enough okay. and resolved enough. And, and we did, there was like three of us and we're like three small women <laughs> and we, <laughs> We stood there with our signs and um, I was really nice to everyone. And I turned to the anti-fascist and I said, Hey, you know what? We don't need to do this. <laughs> you don't need to do this. It's going to be okay. And I turned around to the alt-right guys and I was like, Hey guys, we don't, we don't need to fight. What's going on? Tell me why you're here. And um, how'd that go over? They started screaming at me. And this, <laughs> oh, no. so this one guy like got in my face and he was saying all sorts of terrible things. And I just looked at him in, in his eyes. And then I looked at his friend who was standing right next to him. And so his friend, who I later found out his name is Nick, Nick put his hand on his friend's shoulder and said, hold on, wait. And he kind of looked at me and was like, she might be on our side. Huh. And I just looked at him. He was like, what, what side are you on? Mm. And That is the I question said, that everybody on social media is asking, saying. right? Yeah, what side are you on? And when you show up in a war, that's what you have to answer. Mm -hmm. You have to pick a side, or at least that's what narratives tell us, is that when there's conflict, you have to pick a side. Mm -hmm. And then you have to make sure that side wins at the expense of the other side. Mm. But peace doesn't have to be a zero-sum game, and justice doesn't have to be a zero-sum game if the goal is wholeness, not to win. Like, we want wholeness for everyone involved and we want to treat everyone involved as a human and to me that's peace is when we acknowledge our mutual humanity 
Hmm. rather than trying to destroy the other because our lives are worth more. Hmm. Well, there's a, I have a few questions off of that line of thinking that maybe, maybe we'll come back to because I don't want to, I'm still waiting to hear what Nick has to say. Cause this guy, this uh, alt-right guy, you said, or uh, yeah. a, what was he? A, we're the bros. Proud boy. What, proud boy? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. yeah. <laughs> and he's, yeah, he's, he sees you and thinks you might be on his side. What's that experience like? where you see someone on the far right thinking, hey, maybe she's with us. Yeah, so when he asked me what side I was on, and at that point, I i mean, I was not on his side, but I also wasn't on the anti-fascist side behind me. Um, and I, I didn't want him to think I was on his side, but I also didn't want him to think that I was against him or looking for a fight with him or hated him. Mm-hmm. Um so when he asked me what side I was on, I said, "You know, what if I don't? I don't have a side. Um, I I believe we're we're all Americans, and we need to work this out together." Hmm. And he kind of looked at me like I was a little bit crazy. That kind of cocked cocked his head. And his friend told me exactly what he thought about that line of thinking, which was hmm. not very. Yeah, um, I can imagine. <laughs> yes. Okay. And um, and he said, "Actually, I have no idea what that means, but I'm intrigued. Tell me more." And almost like so, he's looking at something he's not seen. Like, he's like, what is this thing in front of me here? This exactly. Idea. He okay. was just like, what is your deal? And why are you here? And mm-hmm. how do I respond with you? Cause he had found hate matching his hate all day long. Okay. Um, and there's videos I found of him and his buddies, like going around trying to talk to people and, um, they weren't starting the conversations very well, but people also weren't responding very well. Mm-hmm. And so I was the first person, that he talked to that day that didn't shout back at him. Hmm. And I, that confused him. And so we talked for a minute and he explained why he was there. And I explained that I felt like everyone should be treated as fully human, you know, him and the guys behind us and me. And that was the only way forward. And he agreed with me, hmm. um, which you- I didn't, I would have loved to into with it, but I think yeah. I do. Can I ask you real quick? Do you think you mentioned the American part and you've mentioned the human being part in your experience? Do you feel like the, the, the far ends of these conversations, these protests, these fights, do you feel like it's more about a conversation about what America is, or do you feel it's more about humanity? Like just one group of people really not liking another group of people. That's a great question. You know, that's probably different for everyone. Okay, fair enough. I didn't know um, if on the ground everybody was just like, hey, Constitution, this, 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 and the other groups were like, that's stupid, you know, or, or something like that, or if it was just a mixed bag. Well, it, it's a mixed bag. I think I will say that there's all different ideologies represented at these things from what I found um, all along the spectrum. The odd part is that I think we're talking past each other a lot and um, there's a lot of shouting and not a lot of talking that goes on Um, because when you boil it down to it, kind of everyone was saying the same thing. And these guys were supposedly in Seattle for an anti-Sharia protest and they were like women's rights and gays' rights and Sharia is against all that. And the other side was saying women's rights and Muslims' rights. (laughs) Like it. And they're just sort of talking past each other and not huh. actually talking about what matters mm. uh, or willing to listen or see beyond the stereotypes that they have for one another. Um, so we're sort of back to that way where it's, if we can prove that, if we can believe that the other people 
are evil and wrong, then that leaves us and our ideas as the best solution moving forward and vice versa, as opposed to actually talking it through together. Right. And it, and it justifies our violence against them. Hmm. And which is, I think what a lot of us are doing is justifying our hatred and justifying our violence, um, which gets into a tricky thing. And when, when I was standing there talking to those guys, um, this woman whose name was Catherine, I found out later, mm-hmm. who is an anti-fascist, came up right in between us and started blowing a whistle as loud as she could, like into our faces, to try to just stop the conversation. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and I turned to her and I said, "Hey, we're trying to have a dialogue. Can you do that somewhere else?" <laughs> <laughs> and she said, "Oh, okay." <laughs> really? And <then> she left. <laughs> yeah. So And then right at that time, the police came and made a line to separate the two groups right behind me. So they let me keep talking with Nick and his friend. And then his friend started jeering at, at the anti-fascists and being really rude and basically like, we win, the cops are pushing you back, blah, blah, blah. And I turned to them and I said, guys, that's not nice. <laughs> and you're sitting here telling me that like what nice guys you are. <laughs> and that's not kind. Yeah. And they stopped. Really? It was bizarre how much power you have when you treat people like people. Hmm. And there was this odd sort of, like, I, I could communicate with both sides because I didn't hate either of them. Yeah. Um, and it made me wonder how much further we'd all get if we just treated each other like humans. Um, and none of this is that groundbreaking. And what I really wanted to get to here is that when I walked away, I felt really confused and I maybe should have felt great that there was like this moment of peace. And I talked to these people, but I didn't, I felt really weird about the fact that I had just listened to this guy tell me things that I just disagreed with and that I felt were offensive in some ways. And I didn't stand up for the people that those ideologies were hurting. Mm -hmm. And it made me wonder, can you listen and love without validating someone's perspective? Like, can I go around and talk to those alt-right guys and not argue with them and just listen? Mm -hmm. And is that a form of violence to the people that their platform hurts? Does that make sense? So you're saying if, if you're you're trying to like listen to someone without without affirming what they're saying, but you're not trying, you just want to leave, leave space for them to share their thoughts. But your question becomes: But if their thoughts are hurting somebody else, am I actually a part of the problem if I don't stand up and resist this other idea or something? Right. Okay. Can I love the oppressor and the oppressed at the same time? Because that is one of the narratives. That's it's one of the threads that gets that is a part of this kind of national conversation. Is that if you don't um, resist different things in certain ways, then then you too are part of the problem, and and it, right. it becomes, um, you know, it becomes silence is complicit. Yeah, and, and it becomes pretty hard to become a part of the conversation when you feel like you're being, um, you know, when you feel like you're being labeled unfairly or or whatever. So, yeah, that was my question when I walked away from both both rallies for the last two weeks. Is is what does this look like in conversation to how can I love Nick 
and love the people that his group is marginalizing at the same time. Yeah. And love the anti-fascists behind me at the same time who were armed by the way. And which I didn't understand. They both groups were armed. And I was like, how, how are you here for love? Both of you say you're here for love with a gun. Yeah. It's all very confusing. <laughs> well, that takes me to a different question. And I, and I'm asking you some impossible questions here. I know, but um, you're putting yourself in impossible situations. So you seem like the person. To ask. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I hear the line about grace and truth a lot get thrown around, especially in faith circles. Um, where, you know, it's loving to, it's not loving if you don't basically force somebody to hear, you know, it's one thing to offer grace to people, but if you're not telling them every bit of truth that you think you understand, then, then you're not really loving them. Um, and it kind of feels like it's close to the, what you were saying is how do you create this space to listen to people and not, not feel like you're not defending people that might need it, um, you know, and I'm not sure what your faith tradition is. It sounds like maybe you, you know, grew up in a bit of a more conservative type thing. But, you know, how is that? Has your faith affected how you take this space on? Is there anything that kind of like guiding light that walks you through this somehow as you try and navigate it? Yeah. Yeah. There, I mean, there is. I I think. I mean, it guides, but there, there's just so many questions when it comes to these things. Way, way more questions than answers for sure. Um, so I believe in Jesus. I'm a Christian. Um, and I do believe that we are supposed to love everyone, which feels impossible. Um, but I do feel like it's what we're meant to aspire to. And while there is truth, well, there is love in, in sharing the truth with people. If they're not in a place to hear it, is it really love? Like is if you shout truth to someone through a megaphone when they have their fingers in their ears, is it really love? <laughs> You're blowing the train whistle. Uh, Listen to me. <laughs> yeah, no, but for real, like, is it? Um, and I, I, I do think that love and justice are not mutually exclusive and that you can love someone while trying to stop their violence. Um, I do think that that that's possible. It's just that what that looks like in conversation, what that looks like in action is so tricky. Um, hmm. But I, I mean, my husband and I had this conversation on a, the way back from Portland of like, okay, if Jesus was here, hmm. where would he be at that protest? Would he be at the protest? Yeah. <laughs> What what would he do? And um, and I don't have the answer to that. Um, I don't think he'd be screaming at anyone. And I just can't picture that. He, I mean, he flipped tables, but only in the church. Yeah. Right? <laughs> <laughs> the, the heavenly, holy train whistle. He'd come to the... No. Yeah. <laughs> I just... Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I, I do my best. Like He, he said that he requires mercy, not sacrifice. And I think mercy and love and truth can, can coexist. It just, it just gets tricky. And in a, in a hyper-polarized and very complex political and social atmosphere like we have in the U.S. right now, 
Um, I think the best you can do is to love the person in front of you uh, by treating them as fully human. And if the opportunity is there and you feel like they can hear the truth, then you can speak the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but taking away their humanity by treating them with violence, whether it's verbal or physical, violence unmakes us and violence unmakes our humanity and why should we go around giving away pieces of our humanity that others are trying to take from us anyways um it's only by maintaining their humanity that we can maintain our own humanity um so i think you love the person that's in front of you and do your best to unmake structures through politics and voting and things like that um, but it comes down to person-to-person interaction and relationship and treating everyone as human, even when you really don't want to. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the things that um, that I'm sure there's people listening, um, you know, they see these things in the news, and oftentimes people, I mean, we all certainly show up, um, some more than others, but we all, I suppose, on some level show up with a with a narrative that we expect to see and these kind of circumstances seem uh primed for confirmation bias on all sides right sure Um, every situation you can say see i told you so this is exactly who i told you they were um absolutely it feels like there's two for the folks that um that are sort of on the edges and maybe you're not in the middle of this and i know there's a number of people that you know talk a lot about different issues that our country's facing and and that's great. But I'm thinking of all the folks that are sort of everyday people just have a job. They're not really, it doesn't feel like some of these conversations are really in their everyday life. Um, they wonder what they might do, you know, and it seems like they have the social media option to yell at people or they're not really sure what else they can do besides be quiet, you know. And I wonder what you would say. Um, I know you mentioned to love the person in front of you, but. Um, is there any way to expand on that? Or is that kind of the extent of it? Is there something else that everyday people can be considering how they might engage if they should or should not engage as in how they might? Sure. I, I think everyone should engage, <laughs> but what that looks like for everyone is totally different. But if hate is loud, then love needs to be louder. Mm-hmm. Um, and silence isn't going to get us there. Ignoring the hate is not going to make the hate go away. Um, it, you have to make the love louder than the hate. And so, and that requires showing up, that requires engagement. Um, I'm not a huge fan of social media engagement just because I feel like um, it's oversimplified and it, it doesn't really hit people in the, in the heart when you're talking via direct message. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I think that it does come down to love the person in front of you, but I think you can position yourself to to put people in front of your yourself that need need love. Um, so I would go to the places that you're uncomfortable going, <laughs> like I did in Portland in Seattle, um, and find the people who need love and choose to love them. Hmm. And um, because they're not, people don't usually come to you and ask you to love them. You have to go to them and choose to love them. Yeah. Um, and you normally surround yourself with people that are very easy to love. That's why you surround them yourself with them. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but you have to go out of your way. And I think that's really important in this day and age to go out of your way to find people that you wouldn't normally have the opportunity to love and then find a way to love them, whether that's showing up at a mosque, um, showing up at a temple and loving anyways, an interfaith event, um, a protest, whatever. Um, or it's just visiting with someone that you, you wouldn't normally talk to, um, and show love to them. We need more. Yeah. If you, like if you and, um, I think you said his name was Nick. If you guys had first met in a social media forum format, then the nuance would have been lost, right? But there was something about him seeing you in person that he could feel and see that you were not, um, you actually were not coming after his thinking. You were actually there to be peacefully present and listen. I mean, I don't know if you could do that on social media or not. Maybe, you know. Well, I. Yeah, I, I mean, I doubt it. I mean, listening to him there would be like reading his Instagram feed, right, or his Twitter feed, right. and that does nothing for him, um, and it's just going to make me angry um, because of my own personal political <laughs> bias, um, and so I would never seek him out, and he would never seek me out, and we would never sit and listen to each other, yeah. um, but because I put myself in front of him, then we had an opportunity to engage and it doesn't always have to be like dramatic or extreme like that. I think there are tons of ways to do that. I, I have two little kids and um, picking up kids after school, I think is one of the best ways to like love people you wouldn't normally love. I know that's a weird thing to say, but <laughs> I really think it's true because you're like hanging out with these other parents and you have nothing to do yeah. except like stay at the door until it opens. You can stand there and judge um, each other, can't you? <laughs> you could stand there and silently judge each other. <laughs> I thought that was the or norm. Could... That's what everybody does, I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is absolutely the norm. But there's just little things like that that I think we don't take the opportunity to yeah. to actually love each other. Yeah. Well, and if, if people don't feel loved themselves, I mean, this is going to be, this is a tall order for somebody that has not experienced love in their own life. Um, you know, so yeah, I, it's, a, it's a tall order anyways. And if you are, have your own personal struggles that, that make all of these things hard for you, this is like, you don't have, you can start super small, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> super small. Like there is no, there's no bar for you have to be this loving in order to engage yeah. or you have to be this, you have to do it by this time or to this extent. Yeah. Or in this situation, in order for it to count, like <laughs> that's not how it works. <laughs> well, you had no professional degree in sign making, right? That was the first time. <laughs> that was, okay. yeah. So you can okay. just you do your best. And that's it. Now, in terms of like like little steps we take, um, I don't know much about it, but you, I think I heard that you put together some sort of photo exhibition um, between Christians and Muslims. Okay. What was that about? Good. So um, last year, I was working on a master's degree, and as part of my research. I, I was a photographer for eight years, my husband and I. And so I have a background in photography and know a lot of photographers. Okay. And so I was trying to come up with a way to create peace between the Christian community and the Muslim community. This was, um, it was right around the time of the Paris attacks and things were ramping up in super tense. It was like, like a year and a half ago, I guess, when I had the idea. And um, Islamophobic hate crimes spiked like three times as many in December as in the previous year. Hmm. It was really a terrible time. 
And so I looked around and I thought, what do I have at my disposal, disposal and what can I do to bring people together instead of pushing them apart? And how can I tell a different narrative of society and of uh, interfaith relationships and of the Christian community? Quite honestly, it was, um, it was a hard time to tell people that you were Christian, yeah. <laughs> quite honestly, yeah. um, especially in Seattle. It's right after the election. And mm. um, I thought I need to tell a different story of what it looks like to be a Christian and what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So I tapped into my network because I knew photographers. And so that's where I went. It's what I had. Mm -hmm. And I just started asking people to take pictures for me. And um, I set them up with one Christian woman and one Muslim woman and had them take a picture of these women doing something similar, um, whether it was public speaking, uh, mothering, uh, swimming. I, they were all over the place. Everything mm -hmm. that women do, all the great variety and I framed them in the same frame side by side oh, to show our equality and show how much we had in common um, and to get these photographers out meeting people that they wouldn't normally meet yeah. and making peace in person. And at the end, I put together, there's 20 sets of photos. So there's 40 photos and they serve as a, a basically a dialogue platform and, um, I've had four events now where women come together from both communities and there's dialogue questions posted throughout and they talk about what they have in common and what we, uh, and what's different about us and how we can come together despite those differences. Cause I really think Muslims and Christians could be really great allies if we, if, if we could get there. Yeah. Um, we have a great deal in common despite our, our great deal of differences and um, a lot of shared values. Hmm. And, and what I've found is when people get in the same room and you get them talking about things that matter, they walk away friends. Yeah. And it, but it has to be in person. <laughs> it has yeah. To be in person. Yeah. We're back to that again, aren't we? Hmm. Well, um, this is Courtney. I'm so grateful for you being willing to hop on here with us and, um, and share your story and your experiences. And, um, I mean, this is such a big issue that it's on all of our screens all the time right now. And, and it feels like something that we need to talk about. And it feels like, you know, if if we believe that, which I do, happen to believe if all truth is God's truth, that somehow there's truth in this that should matter for everyone that um, somehow should work. And I just um, really appreciate this third way you're trying to model. Um, one of the things we ask people around here is like, um, you know, what are the questions you wish more people were asking? Like in this in this conversation to go along, what do you what do you wish more people were asking? I wish that more people were asking what they could make that would contribute positively rather than negatively. I think that everyone has the potential to make a contribution to society, to the positive, um, and something that's tangible, something that's beyond a social media post, um, no matter how small. But I think so many of us get really caught up in life and details and schedules and more life. And we get distracted from doing things that really matter to us. Yeah. Um, so I wish more people were asking what matters to them and how they could turn that into something tangible yeah. um, that would, would change society for the better. 
Yeah. And you gave a great example of that with your own, just what you were doing photography and like, Hey, what can I do with this? And I yeah. read some of your other stuff where it's some, even at these protests, maybe a, a was it a Muslim woman that said, ask a Muslim, you know, like got questions about right. my yep. faith, just come up and ask me, you know, or, or maybe yep. there was a pastor too. I don't know, but, um, yep. that's great. Yep. Well, Courtney, thank you so much. Um, thank I'll, you so much for having me. Yeah, we'll try and post some of the links to your articles and um, maybe some of your art if we can get if I don't know if there's a link to that online. Yeah. Um, and but people can follow along with you. Can they do that at the Preemptive Love Coalition site? Is that the best place to, to kind of keep track? of? Yeah, them? I'm. Yep. I, you can follow what we do at uh, Preemptive Love. And um I'm also on online myself, and all the links to that are on Preemptive Love. If you follow us, you'll find me. Okay, very good. All right, Courtney, well, we will talk to you very soon, okay? All right, thank you so much, Jeff. All right, cheers. Bye-bye.